Welcome to Fabulous Women Over 40, hosted by celebrity stylist Kara Allen. Join Kara as she interviews amazing women, sometimes younger and amazing men as well, in their 40s and beyond. Here's Kara with our Fabulous Woman of the Day. everybody welcome to fabulous women over 40 today i have an amazing guest her name is gordana beernot she's the author of the know the truth book and one of oprah's soul 100 teachers welcome gordana hi Kara. thank you so much for that beautiful introduction it's so nice to be with I'm you. I'm so happy that you were able to be with me. <laughs> yes. We've had a very interesting uh, journey over the past year, right? It's been a year. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It, it's been a year. Absolutely. Yes. yes. So I've enjoyed working with you. And I just really wanted to have everybody else in the world who wasn't aware of you share, share you with the world. <laughs> so... Mm -hmm. um, just to start, I wanted to ask you, were you born and raised in Sweden? Yes, I, I, well, I was born in Sweden and then my parents decided that they wanted to send me to former Yugoslavia where they came from. They came from the Balkans in the mid uh, 60s, mm -hmm. 1965, they came to Sweden. So they decided that uh, there was no room for me in their life. Oh. So they asked my aunt to take care of me and she did that until I was six years old and that was in former Yugoslavia. So I was actually raised by my aunt. I wasn't raised by my mother and my father. Okay. And then at the age of six, they brought me back to Sweden and I did not know my own parents at that time. I mean, I, I knew that there were people somewhere in Sweden that I should be calling mom and dad, mm, but I didn't mm -hmm. know them actually. They just came to visit mm -hmm. from time to time. And then they brought me here. And um, it was a hard time for me because they were different than my aunt. They were uh, not as open, not as understanding. And I had a tough time after that until I moved away from home when I was 19 years mm -hmm. old. So. I would say that I, I, I've always lived in two cultures, mm -hmm. one coming from the Balkans where family is everything. And then one from Scandinavia, Sweden, where the individual is everything. So I've always been balanced between the two ways of looking at reality from individual perspective and from family perspective. And I've been able to harness the best of both cultures. Mm -hmm. Most people, don't know how to manage that. So it becomes a burden. But for me, it's become uh, an opening to see life in a different way, to look at life as joys everywhere. You can pick from any culture, the both cultures, I could pick whatever I needed in order to be present and, 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 you know, enjoy life. I didn't have to see it as a burden. Right. I saw it as an illuminated way of living. Well, I love that because most people do not have that perspective, <laughs> let us say. I know. So I think that that was yeah. such an amazing thing for you to have, even though initially mm -hmm. at six, you know, that must have been, or up to six, must have been traumatic yeah. in a sense, you know. 
Yeah, it w- it was traumatic to come back. Mm. It wasn't so traumatic for me to live with my aunt because she was a strong woman. Nice. She knew exactly what she wanted in life. She had two daughters and I was there too. So I was I was brought up among women and they were strong, all of them. So mm. I felt like uh I didn't I don't see myself as a victim. I all I'm almost grateful that my mother agreed to leave me there when I was four months old mm. because my mother was not a strong woman. Okay. She was very dominated by my father. So I had already, um, I had already seen a different pattern for a woman. When I look at my aunt, I could see this strong woman ma- managing everything in her life. Her husband died when her children were small and she never remarried. Mm. So she, she could manage anything in her life. Right. And looking at my own mother, she was so dominated by my father. So for a long time, I felt like I was, um, I couldn't connect to my mother because mm. I judged her for being, or for allowing herself to be dominated by my father. And this is also the reason why I was living in, 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 um, uh, troublesome reality because my father did not like women who uh, wouldn't submit to his ideas Uh. of what reality is and how women should live in this reality. So I was always in a place where I couldn't speak my truth because Mm -hmm. if I spoke my truth, then he would unleash hell for everyone in the family. So I had to <laughs> silence myself. <laughs> right. That was, I mean, between six years old and 19, I literally could not speak my truth. Mm. Wow. And that makes so much sense why we connected. Cause we have a similar, definitely yes. <laughs> similar yes. background yes. with the dads yes. there and the mom yeah. for sure. Wow. So, mm. How do you think looking back on that, um, how, I mean, you've already explained how it benefited you, but how, do you feel like any, mm-hmm. in any way was that, did that catapult you to be the adult now that you are the adult woman in the sense that, you, you mm-hmm. know, who has that balance for the, you know, the, the strongness and the independence with the family too? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is anything, everything that happens in, in our past is there for a reason mm-hmm. and it's always a beneficial reason. So it's my job as a grown up to look back at my past and see, okay, this was painful. Why did I experience this and how can I harvest it? How can I pick the golden nuggets from that and use it in my life to perpetuate myself into the future that I want to create for myself? Mm-hmm. And this is not something that I knew when I was 20. Right. Absolutely not. I was in victimhood for such a long time Mm -hmm. in my own mind. I was thinking that it's not allowed for me to say what I need to say. I need to adapt myself to the circumstances. And it made me smaller than I actually was. Mm -hmm. And then I think giving birth to my son when I was 31 changed everything Mm -hmm. for me. It changed my way of looking at myself. It actually focused me into becoming more authentic because if I am not authentic, then he cannot be authentic. So I needed to find who is authentic Gordana? Who is this person? Who is this person? You know, the stillness from within looking outside, who is that? Not trying to fit in, not trying to please, not trying to be something in order to be seen, just being and 
this child of mine focused me into this authenticity within me. And that put me on a journey to, you know, go within, start looking at how am I creating this reality? Mm -hmm. What kind of power do I have in this reality? Is it what they tell me or is it what I feel inside? Right. So it did catapult me into this kind of thinking. Without my past, I would not be able to do what I'm mm -hmm. doing today. With that being said, I mean, it wasn't pleasant. Right. Sometimes the pain actually puts you on a path where you grow, but you don't feel it in the now moment in, in, in your past. As a child, you can't feel it because you're in the hands of someone that is dictating your future. Right. But retrospectively, when I look back at it, I know that it's, a, it's an integral part of who I am today, without a doubt. Right. So if I'm understanding right, it would seem like you were tapped into your intuitiveness early and then you yeah. kind of not, I wouldn't say lost it, but then we're sort of, it kind of got ripped away in a sense with what was going on with your dad, mm -hmm. but then it was reinvigorated mm -hmm. or reawakened mm -hmm. when you had your son. So, but without it mm -hmm. having happened early on, do you think that that would, you would have had been started on that journey and already had a good, you know, foundation in a sense, or because mm -hmm. for somebody who didn't have that, maybe they just had trauma happen to them early, but didn't have mm -hmm. the, the strength foundation. How can you suggest mm -hmm. people can get through that? Because I know a lot of people that are just like, oh, my whole life I've been a victim and this happened to me. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they don't yeah. get it. Yeah. And they, they don't know how to get past it. Mm. I think that um, as chil as children, who are um, living in abusive families, we are ego triggered. Mm. And when ego is triggered, it will never show you the truth about reality. True. So if you stay for a very long time in this ego triggered place, you might forget how it feels not to be ego triggered. Mm. And I had a, I had an aha moment when I read something I don't even remember where I read it, but I, I was in an argument with my husband mm. and I felt so victimized by this. And now my husband is not at all abusive, mm -hmm. but I felt victimized. And I was thinking, here I am all alone. Nobody loves me. And I was, this was before my son was born. I think I was in my 20 something, eight, seven, seven, eight, mm -hmm. something like that. I was sitting on the floor and I opened a book in psychology because I've always been interested in psychology and metaphysical stuff and, and quantum, quantum physics and all these kind of things that I couldn't uh, um, understand or grasp right. or that were a little bit complicated for me. So anyway, I was looking in this book and I don't remember what book it is, but it doesn't matter. And there was one sentence that said, you create your own reality. Mm. You teach people how to treat you. Correct. And I was thinking, what does that mean? I'm, I'm, I'm a victim here. How can I be creating my own reality? And what, how can I teach someone something when I'm the victim? <laughs> right. And slowly I grasped that. I understood that I am not in a powerful position when I see myself as a victim. Even if I feel like this is the truth, mm -hmm. it can never be the truth. Right. 
there must be something else there. So it started kind of, you know, like small whispers, but I feel like it's been there my entire mm -hmm. life. As a child, I could have thoughts about this reality. I could think about the universe and, and, and wonder where does it end? What happens outside of the universe? Who are we? Those kind of thoughts were always there. So I was, I was finding what I was looking for. Right. Because I was already on that path. But people, I think everyone is looking for who they mm -hmm. are. They just need to sacrifice parts of their ego right. when they feel that they're victims and seeing that as the mm -hmm. truth. Even if the, if the outer circumstances are showing you this is the truth, you are a victim. If you are a grown-up, you always have the power to change your own life. As a child, you don't have that power. Right. You can't change your own life. But as a grown-up, you can change your own life. And victimhood is is not the only alternative. Mm -hmm. To grasp that there is a choice, either you stay a victim or you change something. And it's easier to stay a victim. And I know that this is really tough to listen to, but it's easier to stay a victim because it's a known path. Mm -hmm. you've, you've been practicing it for such a long time <laughs> that you don't even think right. about changing it. Yeah, it's a natural thing, really, for some yeah, people. It, by default, you yeah, you just go into it. Yeah. So when you're looking mm -hmm. back on your whole life now, and how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, I'm, I'm 56. And you look right not now. a day over 30. <laughs> I was just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank um, you. I think age is just a number. I do not understand it. It's much more important what I do with my time than how much time I've lived. Right. Well, I, I mean, in, in age, in its sense, people say that age is just a number, but it does represent hopefully some wisdom <laughs> that we've gained. I mean, that's, that's oh, yes. the, and the oh, longer yes. you lived, oh, yes. If you're evolving mm -hmm. and you're conscious, then hopefully you mm -hmm. are, you're aging well in your wisdom <laughs> because it's not, you know, if you're yes. 50, let's say 60 years old and you still have the me emotional mentality of somebody who's 20, then maybe you haven't mm -hmm. done well with your time. <laughs> let's just say, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. So yes, 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 I do. I do. I would probably say that you've spent most of your time in um, the negative side of your mm -hmm. ego which is either catapulting you back into your past, right. bringing up stuff mm -hmm. so that it will be fed by you in the now moment, mm -hmm. the drama that it is creating from the past, right. or it is projecting you into the future with all the bad things that can happen to you because this happened to you in the past. Right. So it never allows you to be present in the now moment. The more time you spend in the now moment, mm -hmm. the more connected you are to eternity, which actually slows down your aging. Mm. Love that. When you spend time in the now moment, when you are present and enjoying what you're seeing in your reality, mm -hmm. it connects you to eternity because you are now. And now is always. Right. It's the, you know, back and forth, back to your past, into your future. And, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't go back in our past and look right. at it. It's the 
mindless dwelling. It's the allowing emotions from the past to drive you in the now moment without looking at them and asking, is this true for me now mm, where mm -hmm. I am in this room? Is this true for right. me? Right. So living in the now moment will actually slow down your aging. I love that. Maybe that's why we I all know. look so young. I do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because if you spend because we are now you spend so much time um in the worrying about stuff in the future, then you're worried right, it's just worry. It's not it's on mm -hmm. something that hasn't even happened yet. And then if you're always constantly focused on the past, then it's just about regrets. So you do, you waste your yes. present worrying, regretting, mm -hmm. <laughs> and not living. Right. You're not living mm -hmm. in the present if you're looking too far back or spending too much time worrying about what may or may not mm -hmm. happen. Yeah, this is how ego steals your mm -hmm. time. This is how ego steals your presence in the now moment. It, this is how life is stolen from mm -hmm. you when you're not present in the now moment, when you allow the ego to tell you what you want to focus on or not even want what you have to focus mm, on. Mm -hmm. So going back, dealing with it and then allowing it to be what it is, a memory in the past mm. that will not give you your emotional fix in the now moment. Right. And it takes some time, but it doesn't have to take a long time to do right. that. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's the stories that we keep telling ourselves that, oh, I'll have to sit in psychotherapy for 10 <laughs> years before I can release myself from it. It's not, it, I don't think that is no. the truth. I think that when you really want to release yourself from something, you will find the way to do it in the mm -hmm. moment and then release. Unless you are, you know, um, tricked by the ego to dwell in it for longer periods of time. It's a question of having an intention. When you go back in time and look at your past, having an intention to actually change mm -hmm. it. I know that people say, well, the past is written in stone. You can't change stuff. Yes, you can. You can't change the facts, mm -hmm. the people that were there, the place, the time, you can't change right. that, but you can change your perspective because if you go back in the past and you know that you are whole mm -hmm. here and now, that there is nothing lacking, nothing missing, you are exactly the way you're supposed to right. be, you can go back in the past and you can look at it from a different perspective and change the emotion that is embedded in mm. it. Not lying mm. to yourself, but seeing the strength. Right seeing who you were at that time. For me, it was like go when I was a victim in my twenties and, and, and almost thirties, mm -hmm. looking back at myself always, always made, made me feel sorry for myself. Mm. It made me feel my victim. Right. And I didn't want to go back because I don't, I didn't want to stay in that. It was painful. Mm. And then I had a breakthrough moment where I went back and I looked and I thought, wait, I'll stay in this memory and look a little bit further. Mm -hmm. And I could see what I did. I could see myself answering. I could see how I soothed myself. I could see what I did to save myself. Right. And that's a strength when you can see that this is a four-year-old doing right. this. And that's me. I can see that I am strong already there. Right. So finding my strength when I think that I'm weak, when I go back in time. Right. And you do it for, 
like a whirlwind tour, not like, not a staycation, right? You know, yes. <laughs> I think that's where people yes. get stuck is they're just like, you know, they keep repeating it because they haven't accepted mm-hmm. it or come to terms with what it was. And they're stuck in the emotion of how painful it was mm-hmm. versus just looking at it like it, it, as if you were a time traveler, mm-hmm. right? And seeing what mm-hmm. happened and not the story yes. that you made around what happened, right? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. The thing why we get stuck in this is because the emotional fix is addictive. Mm. So when you go back, you feel the pain and then you do it again and again and again, and you become the victim and then you go again and again, and it releases you from the responsibility of taking care of it. And it gives you an emotional fix when you do that. So it becomes, it, it becomes addictive. You have to sacrifice a part of your ego when you go back and say, okay, I really do want to solve Mm -hmm. this. I don't want to go back there and I do not want to be a victim anymore. Right. I wasn't a victim. You, the way I see it or the way I see my own past is I was a victim as a child, Mm -hmm. but I am not a victim now in my grown up state of being. I can choose. I can choose my mind or I can choose my, my state of consciousness. I can choose that. There is a Mm -hmm. choice always just recognizing the choice gives you a lot of power, recognizing that I don't have to feel that pain. It's, it's in my past. Mm-hmm. It's a memory. Right. So I can go back and look without feeling the mm-hmm. pain. Is as It's like you said, to see it almost like time traveling and hovering over mm-hmm. the timeline where this happened and being there. Going back and seeing the child, because the child will always find a way to survive. Mm-hmm. And that is the mm-hmm. strength. Yeah, because I think what happens a lot of times is people are like, I don't ever want to feel like that again. (laughs) So when they get triggered Mm -hmm. in the present moment, they're not connecting that it was from something in the past that they hadn't reconciled or dealt with or Mm -hmm. healed or whatever you want to call it. So now Mm -hmm. they're, you know, they're like blaming whatever person issue, whatever happens now (laughs) Mm -hmm. and saying, Mm -hmm. you know, when that really showed up to help you, recognize that that still needed to be healed. Everything happens for you, right? Not to you. You're not a victim. Even when it happened to you as a child, there was a reason, you know, that it happened so that Mm -hmm. going forward, however, it was meant to do something Mm -hmm. for you and your future. I would assume, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I'm not that I'm not God. (laughs) No, yeah, no, exactly. No one has all the answers, but it's a question of finding the benefits Mm -hmm. in it. Right. And of course, when you, when you've had a horrible childhood, you get, I got angry when people told me, well, you need, you need to go back and find the benefits in this. And I go, what benefits? I was, it was horrific. Why would I, there is no Mm -hmm. benefits or there are no benefits, but doing it seriously Mm -hmm. with the intention of solving something for myself, I did see the benefits. And the minute you see the gold Mm -hmm. in it. It stops bugging you. It doesn't come back. It doesn't come Mm. up again. You can look at it and say, well, my father was crazy. (laughs) And you don't feel anything when you say it. (laughs) Right. You know, there's still emotion attached to it, that there's something there you haven't dealt with. 
Yes, if it triggers you into being angry or crying or feeling like, oh my God, how could this happen to mm. me? Or there is no God, otherwise I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have been there. It takes some wisdom mm -hmm. to do so. And I think that it, sometimes it takes some time. And it's, I think for me, it was literally after my 30s when I started doing these things, going back in time and It's easier when the abuser no longer lives. So my father passed away a couple of years ago, which made it much more easier mm. for me to go back and actually see the things that were painful for me to look at or look at him without fe feeling anger, frustration, judgment, mm. Because you see, when I look at him and I am vibrating in judgment, frustration, and anger, right. it doesn't make any difference for no. him, but it makes a difference for me in my now right. moment. And every time I thought about him, there I was vibrating in that mm, frequency. Mm -hmm. So realizing that I think most of us need to realize that our parents are not perfect. Mm -hmm. Our parents do not know everything. Our parents sometimes never grow up. <laughs> you know, they never go into healing mm, themselves. Exactly. Some parents stay wounded their entire mm -hmm. life. And as a child or as a grown up now, being able to grow in my consciousness, I would look at them and say, how could they? being judgmental because why don't they understand that they need to expand in their consciousness? Otherwise they're hurting their children. Well, they didn't. Right. They weren't as wise or mature or done with themselves mm -hmm. at all. So if I spend the rest of my life judging mm -hmm. them, wanting them to be different than they were, I lose my right. life. Yeah. So there is a choice to be made. You can either look at it and say, okay, so my father was crazy and my mother was even crazier because she stayed with him. <laughs> and that's it. Right. And that's what it was. Or you <laughs> can look, yes. Or you can look at it from a higher perspective and say, okay, so there was something wrong with mm. them. In my father's case, there was some psychological thing, but at that time, nobody spoke about it. Not as we do today, because it's more right. open. Mental health is more important. Mm -hmm. It wasn't in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. Nobody talked about mental right. health. So we assumed that everything was okay with him and we treated him as if everything was okay, mm -hmm. but it right. wasn't. So if he would have gotten the help he needed, he could have changed, but he right. didn't get that. So if I, in my, you know, forties sit there and blame my father for not taking care of himself, I lose my life. Yeah. It's not a benefit to you. It, no. And he couldn't, there was, I'm not, ex you know, making up excuses for him. But if I look at it from a high perspective, I can see that, okay, he couldn't do better mm -hmm. than he mm -hmm. did. So what's the point in me going back there and looking for stuff to, you know, feel bad about? It doesn't help me at <laughs> no. all in my now It moment. keeps you in your victimhood, right? Yes. And him as a perpetrator in my mind for the rest of my mm. life. And I don't want to do that. Right. I've even gone so far, uh, Kara, to since he uh, passed away. Sometimes when I think about him and I think, oh, my God, he was such a horrible father. 
I'm actually, from a spiritual perspective, I am keeping him prisoner in time and space mm. where he was playing the role of a bad father. Right. He's not there anymore mm -hmm. and it doesn't affect me anymore. So why would I keep him right. in this prison in my mind where yeah. I can release the energetic bonds and say, you are free. That is what atonement actually is mm. about to release myself from those thoughts that are an illusion anyway, because he's not here. Right. The time has passed. It, it's, it doesn't exist anymore. So why would I keep it there unless my ego wants to have a place where it will pull me back into ego, into victim mode and get its fix. Right. So if I don't want that, I can look at it and I can say, okay, I need to release him. Otherwise I become the perpetrator in my own right. mind, keeping him prisoner right. and using that as an excuse to feel victimized in the now mm. moment. I know it sounds, it sounds provoking, but that is no, how I it's feel. True. It. It's yeah. easy. It makes you yeah. the bully almost at one level, right? Yes, because <laughs> I am, I am, I am allowing it to become a part of the frequency or the, the my, my consciousness or my state of, consciousness mm -hmm. to become a part of me, like a part of my DNA. And it doesn't have to, because there is a choice. I can allow it to dissolve right. and release his spirit in this from the, these chains in the physical world. Right. So what would you, what advice would you give someone whose parent or perpetrator, whoever that might be is still mm -hmm. living? How would, how can they have mm -hmm. peace, you know, or move past, that victimhood of like, well, this happened and this person did this to me and I can't forgive them and mm -hmm. all of that. Like mm -hmm. how do you, you know, and not understanding that you do have a choice that it, it the forgiveness doesn't mm -hmm. absolve the person from what they did, but it frees you from being <laughs> the bully in the sense of like, keep poking yes. the bear, you know, when you don't have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I can speak from my own experience was that when I met my husband, I was 19 years mm -hmm. old and coming from a culture where women marry, they do not move away from home. They marry. Mm. I didn't marry. I just moved out. Mm. And my father said, you know what? This is the end. So when neighbors asked him, where is Gordana? He would say, she's died. Oh. She doesn't, <laughs> oh, she, she doesn't live any Jesus. longer. So, and that went on for eight years. So he didn't allow me to go home and visit my mother and my two brothers because I was dead. Oh, wow. I, I crossed his mind or I crossed his, his cultural heritage. I made a fool out of him by moving away, not married. Oh, this is crazy, but that's how it was. <laughs> Why am I telling this? Because he did this for eight years, which meant that I didn't have any contact with him for eight wow. years. And that was a blessing to me. Mm. It was beautiful because I could connect to who I was without being poked by him. Right. <laughs> without being, you know, being um, forced to answer his frequency. Mm. I could detach mm -hmm. from it for such a long time until I found who I was right. within. And when I did that, I could meet him, but it didn't trigger me the same mm. way. So sometimes you know, not having a close relationship to the parent that has been abusive is a way to do yeah. it. 
Because otherwise, how would you find who you are if you're constantly ego-triggered by their abuse? Right. As a child, you will always come back, uh, you will always regress back to the pattern that you know. So when you meet a parent, that parent, you know, pokes your ego, mm. you will, even, even though you've been in therapy and you've done a lot of work with yourself, you will always go back to the pattern, the initial pattern. Mm with your mm -hmm. parents. So you almost become a child every single time you meet with them and they have more power over mm. you because you cannot be the grown up that you right. are. So if you take some time off and stabilize that identity being who you mm -hmm. are, it's easier when you go back because you know who you are and you don't need to be triggered. Right. They will trigger you anyway, but <laughs> not in a not in a way that is violent mm. as if you do not stay away for a while. So that would be my first thing to not be around the parent that has been abusing mm -hmm. you. If you're a grown up. Of right. Course. Yeah. If you have that option, <laughs> some people don't have the option. Yes. Um, so yeah. now when you had your son and then you had your breakthrough mm -hmm. and you said you, you've mm -hmm. always been a writer, correct? Like, so yeah. Yeah. how did you come about writing the book? Know your, know the truth. Yeah. Well, being a writer, not in a sense that I wrote a lot of stuff, but I knew that I had a book within mm -hmm. me. I knew that there was a book that needed to be uh, expressed in this right. world. And since I have an academic background, I'm, I have a master's degree in um, art, okay. and I've studied a lot of psychology and media and communication. So there, there is a certain way of writing when you come from the academic mm -hmm. world. You are always peer-reviewed. They're always looking at what is it that you're writing and how are you expressing yourself. So some people might say, well, that's a power. That's a good thing because then you can write. Mm -hmm. For me, it was crippling mm. because I wanted to write for people who are in distress to be able to read it. Now, who sits down and reads an academic book when they're in distress? <laughs> Nobody. <They> don't. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. So it took me a while to understand that I didn't need to write the book in an academic way. I needed to write the book that from my heart space, not my head right. space. So there was a lot of fear. I tried a couple of times, but I didn't feel comfortable with it. And then my mother got sick and she was actually so sick that she almost died. She was at the hospital and this was going on for weeks, back and mm. forth, back and forth. And I was in a tired, distressed mode and we were sitting in our garden and my husband, I was talking to my husband about the things that I felt about this reality. And he said, why are you not writing this down? You know what? Let's start a Twitter account and you can put out this thoughts out there. Nice. The thoughts, exactly the way that you are formulating them in your head, not allowing them to, you know, go through this academic stuff going on in your head, right. allowing them to come out the way they are originally. And I'm thinking 140 characters <laughs> because this was in 2013. Right. How am I supposed to express these thoughts in 140 mm -hmm. characters? Right. So I tried anyway. And this blew my mind mm. because what happened was that I needed to distill really important 
big thoughts into 140 characters without making them seem simple and stupid. Mm -hmm. And it turned out to be a thing that I really love to mm. do and a thing that I'm really good nice. at. So it just exploded. I just started putting out thoughts out there and I did this for a couple of years. I think somewhere around 2015, mm. my husband came and he had a page with text like uh -huh. this and he said, read this. So I started reading and I'm thinking, well, these, these are my words. When did I write this? The entire page, when did I write this? And he said, you didn't. These are tweets and there's weeks between the uh -huh. tweets. And yet when you put them together, they form a text, which is coherent. Nice. You read it. And I'm like, I've written my book and it's out there already. That's so, cool. so I just pulled in all the tweets and then started to make some kind of order mm -hmm. to make it look like the text that I wanted it to be. I'm putting some more of it there. And it took me six months or something like mm -hmm. that. And I had almost written an entire book. I realized that I had bypassed my fear and my ego by putting out stuff in small chunks. Mm. So it didn't, it, to my mind, it didn't look like I was writing a book. It right. looked like I was tweeting. Yeah. I was doing some tweets <laughs> here and there right? and I was actually writing a book in that way. So it became very organic and it became very intuitive mm. and it, you can, this is why you can read my book back and there mm -hmm. it is. You can read my book back and forth. You can start wherever you want. Right. You can do whatever you want with it because it's written in a way where it has no start and no end. Mm. It, it's, it's ongoing. It's like an oracle. I love that. And I, I love the idea. How brilliant is that? <laughs> so it's, yes, it's beautiful. It's such a beautiful vibe in it when you can do something like that. What it showed me was that I need to trust myself. Mm -hmm. I need to trust my intuition. I cannot look at everyone else and say, everybody is writing this. Right. You know, set a time two hours every day, write one and a half page. Didn't mm -hmm. work for me. Yeah. <laughs> I had to do it in a different way and it still doesn't work for me. So I'm writing all the time and almost never I'm using everything. I'm using my iPad. I, I write on walls at home if I have an idea and then I pick it up and put it down into my iPad. So I have no rules of how to write. Mm -hmm. the, the important thing is to formulate my thoughts into words and put them somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then when I'm ready, I gather everything and put it down and it becomes a book. I think that's so amazing because if you look at it, that's how yeah. we're trained, right? Like, I think I almost failed yeah. English in college like twice because of that, because the yes. formality of having to write in a mm -hmm. structured bleh way never appealed to me yes. either. I was like, I just want to write what I'm thinking and have it come out yes. sounding like I'm thinking. So like mm -hmm. you said, the whole let's sit aside and mm -hmm. do that's so traditional. And I've never been one to do mm -hmm. that either. It's like, I'll go through mm -hmm. years or months without writing anything and then just sit down and blah, 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 mm -hmm. and it all comes out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or like you said, maybe in a yes. tweet or something like that, but that's brilliant. Mm -hmm. You wrote a book and you didn't even mm -hmm. know. <laughs> and kudos to your I hubby because he was the catalyst for yes. that. So that's so cool. Yeah. He's very often a catalyst for me because sometimes I can't see things 
that I've mm-hmm. done because they're like a second nature right. to me and he's on the outside and he can see it. So he helps me with this. And by the way, we've been together for 36 years. And That's I amazing. Fathom this. It's really, <laughs> really cool to be able to see a human being shift. Mm-hmm. It's almost like different men, only it's in one of the That's same really lines. cool. Seeing him going from this awesome young human artistic being into maturing, becoming wise and knowing how to stop his ego from driving yeah. him, standing still in his soul, pulling back, actually expressing very um, healthy masculinity mm-hmm. to balance our relationship. Right. So it's so beautiful to be able to see it. I'm not saying that it, it has been light all the time <laughs> because it's a roller coaster always, right. but there has always been love. Mm. And that is, important. yes, you know, love beyond time and space. That's how it feels. And that's why it, it, it allows us to evolve together the way we do. And I would say it's probably because you actually like each other too, right? Because that's what I've seen yes. when I've seen couples, <laughs> because I, Yes. And some of the other work that I, I've told you I do, I see mm. couples and I'm like, some of them, they don't even like each other. And if you're doing that in front of me, mm. what are you doing when I'm not around? You know what I mean? And the ones yeah. that actually yeah. I saw that were very few, maybe less than five, mm. that actually mm. liked each other, the love was mm-hmm. so present, you know, just in the way they were mm-hmm. so loving and the way they talked to each other and the, the way he would look mm-hmm. at her and, you know, just yes. all of it, you yes. could just see it was so genuine. Mm-hmm. And then you could also see where it was just, they'd lost that somewhere or maybe they never had it. Mm-hmm. And then it was just like, mm-hmm. you're a bother. You're just annoying to me. You're, oh, mm-hmm. I can't wait till we get done with this. So I don't mm-hmm. have to sit here and be talking to you anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh my yeah, God, that's yeah. so awful. <laughs> So uh, that's such a blessing that, that you have that. I mean, yeah, because they don't build yes, them like that uh, anymore <laughs> for some people. N- no, I know. I know. It's a question of um, giving each other space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember in my 20s when I was in this victim mode, I was thinking that he had to be a mind reader mm. because he was supposed to know when right. I <laughs> How can you do that? This is impossible. You can't do yeah. that. Also, I think that taking care of your own happiness mm-hmm. in a relationship is the biggest gift you can give to your partner because you release them from the responsibility of making you happy. Right. I think that is one of the things that maybe ruins a lot of um, relationships mm-hmm. when you put the responsibility on the other to make you happy. Right to be the mind reader of what you want in your life. This is where the healthy boundaries are set. Mm. When you say, you know what, this is what I like without the anger, without the blaming and, you know, guilt tripping, just stating, this is how I would like it to be. And keeping it in a conversational mode where you do not kill the magic, Mm. but you actually show and say what you want because no one is a mind reader. You need to articulate it in the most loving way so that the other one can meet you. And that's a hard (laughs) thing to do, but with practice, you get good at it. (laughs) And you have to have somebody that's willing to do that with you too. Cause you have some people that are just, they, Yes. Like your father, for example, and my father, it's yes. like, no, this is the way it's yeah. supposed to be. You don't like it. There's mm-hmm. the door or my way or the highway. So when you have somebody mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. not even willing to 
in a sense, it's almost like a little dance, right? The man, the, yes. if you look at it biblically, yes, the the husband is called to love the wife because he God knows mm -hmm. that what women need to be loved. And that way mm -hmm. they can do anything for you, right? If they feel loved and mm -hmm. cared for, then they can trust mm -hmm. that they can submit themselves mm -hmm. to you and not in a, you know, like whatever way, but a way to mm -hmm. be honor your position as a husband. And then when the husband yes. does that, when he as the leadership, right, does that mm -hmm. first, you know, almost it's like mm -hmm. he submits himself to his wife in a sense, not like making himself mm -hmm. lower than her, but he gives her that love mm -hmm. that she needs to be feel safe. Mm -hmm. And then she gives him the yes. respect and everything else that he needs to feel you know, supported mm -hmm. in that way. And I feel like so many mm -hmm. people just don't understand that process because the man feels mm -hmm. like he's supposed to be given something first before he can do whatever. And then the woman's like, no, yeah. like intuitively she knows that mm -hmm. that man is not ready or he's just not the right mm -hmm. man to be able to do that for mm -hmm. because she, it'll always be that way of him constantly trying to dominate and control her. And that, that mm -hmm. doesn't make it, it's not happy for anybody and it's not a, mm -hmm. a good um, let's say like it doesn't work for the kids either. Cause now there's always this conflict mm -hmm. and control going back and forth. And then the kids are like, eh. mm -hmm. <laughs> it just always feels unbalanced mm -hmm. and unsafe mm -hmm. and you don't want to foster mm -hmm. that kind of environment. So. Absolutely. Because what happens here is that love becomes transactional. Mm -hmm. If you give me this, I'll give you right. that. And love can never be transactional. Love has to be the foundation. Right. And then you act in that foundation. What happens when we, when we are not finished with our past, mm -hmm. when we come into a relationship where we bring the past with us, usually when we come from abusive families, we are operating on a fear-based perspective. Everything that is filtered through fear will come out as toxic. Mm -hmm. So we can use the word protection, for instance. If you, if you come from a place of fear, then protection, which is by the way, a masculine energy right. going through both men and women. When we talk about masculine and feminine energies, it's about two energies that are present in every man and every mm -hmm. woman. And it's like a dance between the two. So if protection, a healthy masculine energy is, um, is about clarity, mm -hmm calmness, protection, mm -hmm. and direction. Mm -hmm. If protection is filtered through a fearful perspective, a man who is not ready with himself, mm -hmm. who comes from a fearful perspective, protection becomes control. Mm. If it comes from a place where the man is ready, where he actually expresses the, the, the masculine energy in a positive way in mm -hmm. a healthy way it becomes support right one and the same word pro projected through fear or through love mm. becomes two different mm -hmm. things so this is why i say our parents did not know how to go in to their own mind Someone into their own consciousness and cleanse themselves from all the past stuff and they bring fear into this reality they filter everything through fear, which becomes the negative side of the masculine and the feminine energy. Mm -hmm. The feminine energy, the, the negative side of the feminine energy would, or the positive side of the feminine energy is nourishment, 
presence, mm -hmm. intuition. Mm -hmm. And I'm not using love here because love is the basis for all of this. When we are operating from love, these two energies, the feminine becomes divine and the masculine becomes protective and present. Mm. And so you can, it becomes a beautiful world to live right. in. But if it is filtered through fear, it becomes toxic masculinity, which will be abusive, dominant, um, craving, wanting. Mm. The feminine energy will be like gossiping or manipulating or victimhood. Mm. Wow. And it's the filter is fear in both of these cases. It would be if it is filtered through fear, that is what it will express itself mm. as. Now, if you look at our society, I mean, we live in a fear-based society. Yeah. So, of course, our egos are triggered and it will, everything we explore in this reality will be filtered through the fear. Right. So, it becomes toxic. We talk about the toxic masculinity in our our society. Yes, it to it's to toxic, but we don't need more feminine energy in that. We need healthy masculine mm. energy in mm -hmm. that to shift it, to start looking at it from a love-based perspective. Oof. And it's, it's the same thing in a relationship. When you, when you help each other ease the fear, mm -hmm. you tap into your highest self, which will express itself through mm -hmm. love. And you don't need to do much. You just need to understand that there is nothing to fear. If I give, I will give because I want to give, and then I don't lose anything. Mm -hmm. If it comes from fear, it would say, I will give, but I want that back because I'm afraid that I won't have right, enough. Right, or lose it, lose something. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Lose myself. So <laughs> now I can see when I look at my own relationship with my husband that as soon as we became wise, which is around the time when my son was mm -hmm. born, when we became wise, he made us wise because we realized that we need to be authentic, that we need to bring love into the situation. Mm -hmm. We can't let our egos drive us through fear because he will be swimming in that mm -hmm. fear ourselves. Right. Yeah. So we didn't talk about it. We just, it just happened. Mm. We, we shifted. We, we started creating a, a more love-based perspective within each and every, within each, with, <laughs> within each other. <laughs> yeah. my, my tongue is not working anymore. Well, that's a beautiful dance. And yeah. so I want to ask you one more question for you because yeah. I don't want, I, I know yes. we could talk all day. <laughs> yeah, I know. We do that. <laughs> we do that every time. Yeah. Um, but so after yeah. you, when you wrote the book, when did mm -hmm. Oprah come into the situation? Was it, did, did she reach out and be, you became one of her soul teachers or how did all of that magic happen? I, I didn't have my book when Oprah. Oh, found nice. Me. I was tweeting. Oh, yes, she found I was you tweeting. tweeting. So there, there's a thing yes. for everybody. Oprah yes. might find you it, when it you're tweeting. Just, <laughs> uh, a, a thing where they asked me if I wanted to dream a little and I answered, yes, I do. And then before I knew it, I was in LA and I was mm. one of the super soul 100 teachers. And I mean, I did not realize what that was until I started, you know, scrolling and looking who are the people that are super soul 100. And 
They are amazing mm-hmm. people. I mean, it's Tony Robbins, Marianne Williamson, Eckhart Tolle. Mm-hmm. Also, I realized that I was the only one from Europe. And I was like, oh, my God, this is like getting the Nobel Prize in self-help. So it was beautiful. <laughs> uh, it happened through Twitter. That's actually. so cool. So, tweet, tweet, tweet. Yeah. That was- <laughs> That's amazing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so cool. So anything we need to know about what uh, upcoming projects? Um, oh, and how can people get in touch with you if they want to be yes, coached by I mean, you? Like, I'm always on Twitter. Details. So my handle is at my power talk and I'm always putting out new stuff there. So if you want to know what's going on in my head, that is the place to go. Also, I do one-on-one, so you can contact me via DM or you can write to me at info at myparatalk.com and I will look at it there. The project, mm-hmm. I'm on Instagram and I am on Facebook and it's my paratalk. My handle is my paratalk everywhere. Or if you just write Gordana Birna, it will just pop out okay. in Google. You will find all the things you need. Uh, my next project is... I am writing another book and it is writing itself in the same way as I usually do. Mm-hmm. So there is, there are a lot of things that Yay. I am uh, exploring <laughs> organically right now. And it's very much about the negative and the positive side of ego. It is a lot about the masculine and feminine energy and how they are playing uh, with each other. It's about fear and how to, jump out of that fear, how to realize that we don't need to live in that fear. So that is where I'm dwelling at the moment. And it is taking a form without me knowing exactly what the end result will be. The other thing is that I have been doing a course in going back to into your memories and uh, looking at them without the emotional stuff. Also connecting to the child from within and bringing that child within Mm. you so that you will feel one with the child. So the child won't be alone anymore within you. So Mm. finding your power in a way by going back into the past so that you can project a, a different future in front of you. So that's a project that is going to be launched very, very soon. Um, and I think that's it okay. for now. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is. It is. It is. Oh, that's well, that's a know. lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I thoroughly enjoyed working with you. Yeah. I know I'm going to be hopping on that again because, <laughs> yeah, you helped so much that was going on in my in my personal life. Different aspects. That was the cool thing. I could come to you and say, yeah. okay, this is what I'm struggling with right now let's hone in on this. And then something else would happen. And it's like, okay, this is like the house is on fire. We need to go over here and put this fire out now. And you were so Mm. just fluid in helping Mm. me figure all navigate through all of that and just so peaceful. And no, no, absolutely not. But I I think what you're describing is actually the process (laughs) through which I, I do one-on-one synchronicity is a really big thing for me. We Mm -hmm. allow synchronicity to, guide us Mm -hmm. while we are doing the talk and it it always gives you exactly what you need in the now moment also what is beautiful with you and all my clients is that you know that you create your own reality 
And you also know that you're responsible for everything that is mm -hmm. in your reality right now. You're not responsible for what happened to you as a child, but you are responsible right. for how you deal with it in the mm -hmm. now moment. And I help you look at it mm -hmm. like, you know, mirror something back to you, guide you somewhere, hold your hand, be there with you. That is what we do. And it has to be organic and it has to be in a synchronistic flow of yeah. what you need. And you know what? When you start talking, you always come back to what you actually do need to talk about. And this is why it always feels right mm -hmm. when you sit down mm -hmm. and allow synchronicity yeah. to guide you. It helps you to focus on the right stuff, the stuff that you actually need to focus on in the now moment. So that is, and I, I do love our sessions. Yeah. <laughs> we always have loads of fun in them. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah, we always go down the rabbit hole for sure. Always. <laughs> with we the come out at the end. Though. Yeah, with That's the greater consciousness. You know, we, we go play. Yes. Always. Yes. Yes, we go play in the dark and where it's, what is it? I always like to, to liken it to Game of Thrones. It's dark and full of terrors yes. down there. Yes. <laughs> but we always come back out. Mm -hmm. Okay, sunshine, exactly. sunshine's here. Exactly. We're good. It's all good. <laughs> Gotta kind of roll yeah. around in the muck for Absolutely. a little bit and then come out of it. So yeah, mm -hmm. I really appreciative and grateful yeah. for you. And um, yes. yeah, looking forward to having those conversations again soon. Thanks so much mm -hmm. for talking to me today. This has been wonderful. And I definitely want everybody to reach out to you and follow you and read your book. The, and yes, uh, on Amazon, they can get it on Amazon, all right? Online bookstores. You can find it there. Yes, all of them. Yes, Barn, Barnes and Nobles, all Yay, of that. Yeah, we did it. Yay! Thank you. So, thanks so much for joining yes. me. Um, I'm going to stop our talk now, and then uh, yes, <laughs> so we won't be down the rabbit holes Absolutely. anymore. Um, but yeah, maybe we'll do Cara, this again because there's always you. more. Thank to you talk so much about. for having me on your podcast today. <laughs> Yay. I'm so happy that you were my first Initiation. guest. Initiation. Like, it just yes. made sense to make you the first one. <laughs> yes. All right. So I'm going to stop us now and we will talk again soon. Thank you for joining us today. Please subscribe so you won't miss our next Conscious Conversation with Kara and her fabulous guests. Follow Kara on social on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Clubhouse at Kara Allen and connect with her on her website at KaraAllen.com. Also, leave a review if you enjoyed the conversation. Thanks again and see you next time.